TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. See, I'm going through this Lost Media Wikipedia page. It is pretty cool. I mean, there are a lot of things that are lost. And I think, I kind of remember that. I don't remember. There's a lot of things I just don't remember either. Maybe it's better that I don't remember it. How full would your brain be if you remembered all of these things? And I'm just going through looking at so much of this. It is quite overwhelming. This is the hour where we hook up with our friends in Canada. The shift with our friend Shane Hewitt. He's going to be joining us at 1230. And I know he's probably got more questions for us than we do of him based on the last week here in the United States. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's the only other way to put it. So I wanted to just kind of start the hour and mention that a lot of the different uh, platforms that continue to pull the plug on Donald Trump and some of which even pull the plug on Parler, the social media app that a lot of the different people that were sick and tired of Facebook were going to is also lost their status in the servers on Amazon, which is actually very concerning if you think about it. I have been a proponent of net neutrality. It's not something that is very popular among conservatives, but one of the protections of net neutrality is to keep Internet um, to keep this sort of thing where you can't do preferential treatment of certain um, uh, of certain flows of data based on the discrimination of what is being flowed through it as long as it's legal. And I'm looking at the way Internet service providers or in this case, Amazon, who, by the way, I think is holding the server for close to 50%. It's like 47% of all web data. It goes through their servers. And you think, wow, that is a lot of power for Amazon to have. I wanted to point out a few things. And for a while, President Trump was questioning the two, the Section 230 status of tech giants. So could part of it be retaliation? Maybe a little bit. Um, could part of it be that the Trump name has become so toxic right now based on the uh, campaign that uh, all the Democrats are trying to put on them. That could be a part of it, too. I mean, there could be all kinds of different things laying into it. If you were to go back and look at the speech that he gave that morning 
before the Capitol violence, you would look at that and see and hear him specifically say peaceful and not call for violence specifically. It's part of a bigger, broader picture of the way that Donald Trump has just become a hated figure in the United States. And a lot of it has to do with the inaccurate picture that so many people have painted him over the past four years, that when an event like last week happens, it's a big, oh, see, told you so moment. And then everyone jumps on there as if um, as if that tells the whole picture, if that even is the whole picture. But the thing that a lot of times people point out is if this was the whole picture and what happened last week was the whole picture, is this warranted reaction and I look online and even the fact that Parler was going to allow the president to come on and be uh, or have an account where people can interact with it was enough for Amazon to say, well, we're going to pull your status on our servers. You're no longer allowed to use it means that Parler has to find another server to use or create their own or whatever it is, which isn't an easy task. It's actually a quite difficult task because when you have everything uh, working on one, it's not just like a quick little, okay, we're just going to redirect to another place. It doesn't quite work like that when you're using a data like a social media site like Parler. I know a lot of people have started to leave Facebook and Twitter and all these different companies that are starting to pull the, uh, pull the, the chain around. And one of the, on Twitter, uh, there's a, another Twitter substitute. The hard thing is it's so hard to keep up with all of them. Uh, I'm I'm kind of disappointed that I kind of have to play the game with these social media websites, and I hate doing it at the same time because I just hate being on them anymore. I, it, it's not an enjoyable thing with everything that's been going on. And what they're saying is that uh, Parler has not taken adequate measures to address threats to people's safety, is what Apple said when they pulled the Parler app from the App Store. I think. The other places have done it too. Parler was uh, touted as uh, basically more of a free speech platform. Um, and that's the thing. It, it's going out there. And, and when you pull the plug on everything and, and you're just banned everywhere, it kind of proves the point for a need for something like this. And then what happens? What are they going to do? Who's going to help them? Do they have to create their own thing? Is it even possible for them to create their own thing? And it really isn't in the world today. There's such a monopoly that's built around these tech companies. I want to point out something I put on Twitter and let me, let me bring up my Twitter real quick because I want to make sure I, I read this correctly. And it kind of just goes to show you the decision-making process of the tech companies are not consistent. And we've seen a couple of people step up and make it a very clear point that you could, for example, uh, target Ron Paul and say, Oh, uh, we're going to continue violence against uh, a sitting senator. As Ron Paul's wife points out, these things are allowed on a daily basis against him. But, you know, he was actually attacked. And as you remember, went to the hospital because a neighbor went crazy on him and people still cheer that sort of thing. However, if you're Donald Trump in the president of the United States, you're kicked off of this platform, not for really directly inciting anything, but more or less it's looked at as the, you know, the flavor of incitement or whatever it may be. So let me point this out too. Uh, Twitter says they banned the president out of fear of future incitement. And then at the same time, I went over to Twitter's trending to see, oh, I wonder what people are talking about. And there's a, uh, a Twitter trend where there was 37.9 thousand people tweeting, hang Pence. That was the Twitter 
Um, that was, that's what was trending on Twitter. And I thought, man, you have 37, 38,000 people mentioning that. And that is allowed. And that is not inciting violence over and over again. And I noticed that people were pointing out, if you were to post a photo of that dude that uh, was wearing the Viking horns was inside the Capitol building by posting a photo of him, that was also considered inciting violence on social media networks. And you would either be forced to take it down or they'd take your count away. These are the type of things that were going on. And it was just a, a whirlwind of we're just going to ban anything we can possibly ban. And hey, but we'll leave hang pence as a trend. What in the world is uh, up with that? At this, at, and this is happening simultaneously. And I think if the big tech companies um, are looking at this and they're saying, well, you're not doing a good enough job self-moderating parlor, so we need to do this. Okay, then how about this? How about we take away Section 230 and you're held accountable for all of these instances? Then you have to really moderate. Well, then you're going to have to like be super careful what's on your platform. So this is what I'm saying. If you're going to hold parlor to that same standard, then you do it to yourself. If you are incapable of holding yourself to that standard, you know, these billion dollar companies, they say they don't have the capabilities to do this sort of thing. Uh, no, I, I think that maybe you you force the hand if you're really concerned about inciting things, force the hand and make them responsible and then let them be the ones to say we're going to take the first step to make sure these things aren't on our platform. Either that or they're purposely trying to give the illusion that they want this to be gone when secretly it's just a way for them to allow some things on and not others it's selective and that very much is the case uh you see this constantly it is selective it might be more a reflection of the users and the things that they are talking about on these platforms but then again if that's the case too then why wouldn't you have it in your best interest to better moderate and if that's the case too you're not doing it why is that it's not that you're incapable i mean you're doing it like crazy for conservatives but Definitely capable for them. Why not some of the other ideologies and ways of thinking? All right. Uh, don't forget, in about 15 minutes, we're hooking up with our friends in Canada. I think that's going to be a really good discussion. I hope. Uh, I know they're going to have lots of questions for us. <laughs> this is Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. I saw online that the octopus over at the St. Louis Aquarium died. I didn't realize the lifespan of an octopus was so small. It's really a couple of years, and I didn't realize that they show certain signs at the end of their life cycle. I saw that on KMOX.com just the end of last week, and I told my son about it. And I said, oh, you know, we have a membership there to the St. Louis Aquarium. Sorry to tell you this, son, but uh, the octopus there is uh diet dead sorry little squirty or whatever the octopus was called i can't remember but uh, he said oh so they're getting a new one right so he, he didn't care at all he had no uh, no connection or attachment to the octopus there and then i just saw this pop up online world's oldest orangutan by the name of inji i-n-j-i has died I didn't realize that orangutans could live to this age. They say seldom they live past 40 years. Somehow this individual orangutan uh, who lived at the Oregon Zoo here in the United States was battling all kinds of health issues towards the end, tragically has died, widely believed to be the oldest orangutan in the planet. Uh, 
They said the zookeepers say she had rarely left her nest box in recent weeks and no longer was interested in food. The telltale sign that an animal is in the end of their life died at the age of 61. That is remarkable. 20 years past what an average orangutan would live. Uh, estimated her, let's say, she was estimated to be around a year old when she arrived at the zoo back in 1961. What an awesome, awesome, awesome staple into that establishment out there. The zoo to be able to have a resident that long. Says, as a senior member of the orangutan family, she enjoyed lots of special treatment. She made many friends over the years. Those are always seems to be one of the most popular enclosures whenever you go to a zoo. Like for us, whenever I take my son to the zoo or anything like that, there's a few things we always like to do. The sea lion show is fantastic. Much, uh, if you've never been there before, you would be putting yourself in a great position if you can get there and check it out for yourself. That would be really good. I, um, I saw this online, too. Let me bring this up real quick before we go to our friends in Canada with the shift in Shane Hewitt. It says, after capital siege, majority of Americans say Trump should be removed from office before term ends. Now, I really don't know who took this poll. It's, I mean, it's an ABC News poll, but I really don't know how this was weighted and whatnot. Uh, I don't even know if I can trust the polling all that much. But when asked, it was a little bit over 50 percent said they think that the president should be removed from office before the official transfer of power. Forty three percent said no. Nearly half. Forty five percent said that his actions were wrong, even if it shouldn't be removed from office. Ninety four percent of Democrats and 13 percent of Republicans support the move. Majority of independents are backing the move. This is just polling in general. I don't know how this is going to play out really the next couple of days. To me, I look at the way that this may be packaged and the only way that they're going to package this is not through credible uh, crimes. They're going to present this as a way as a viable threat. So they look at it as, hey, we're scared of this guy and we got to act on it. And we're talking about today now that we're past midnight. It is Monday, January 11th, a week from Wednesday is the inauguration going through all of this effort. Think of all the other things that they drag their feet on, but this, they're ready to jump right back into it when they should be in recess. Um, at least one Republican said that she's interested in voting that way. Lisa Murkowski in Alaska. I, I don't know who has actually gone on record to say that they would actually vote in this, but I don't think there's any way you'd have enough votes. I mean, sure, every Democrat may do it, just just how they're going to vote down the lines. But even if that's the case, we're looking at, uh, let's just say, you know, 50 plus. Are you going to get 10 Republicans to get in? No, I don't think you are. Plus, I don't think Mike Pence is going to do anything when it comes to the 25th Amendment. That's just another one of these type of games that they're playing. They've made it into a political game. And then if anything, think about this. Imagine if you do decide to go down this route and let's say things do get nasty then what's going to happen with the other 50 percent that doesn't want this to happen and you want to talk about making things worse this is where lindsey graham steps in and says hey uh joe biden you got to reel your party back in don't go down this dirt road you're not going to like where it goes and i think he's right to say that i really do all right our friends in canada shane hewitt in the shift we're going to join them and i'm really looking forward to our conversation with them i'm sure it's going to be a lot of questions from their end this is overnight america camo 
All right. This is what we do on Sunday nights. We uh, hang out with our friends in Canada. The Shift with Shane Hewitt, host of that show. I always look forward to this ability to connect our two countries with Canada and the United States. He's through the Chorus Radio Network, broadcasting through some great radio stations in Canada. Of course, KMOX here reaching a wide uh, swath of states. Let's check in and uh, maybe they're listening to us right now. There he is. We got him now. Hello, okay, Shane. So- Hello, hello, Ryan. How are you? Good to hear your voice, Shane. It is good to hear your voice. Ryan, can I ask you a question before we get started about all the political things about your name? Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we're, we're, we're doing an ongoing thing here about, um, about the worst names ever. The worst names to name a kid. What are the worst names ever? And maybe some people that you met that you didn't like them. And so now you've held that against them forever. And Ryan O'Donnell is the show producer here on The Shift. And he said there is a predisposition, like a preconceived notion uh, that Ryan is a bad name. Have you ever experienced that? Because he's run into that. Uh, you know, I don't know. I can't say that. To me, I, I don't have anything that comes to mind. What I hate are names that are very difficult to pronounce. As a broadcaster and someone puts a piece of paper in front of you or you're reading a news article and you look at the name and you think, oh, boy, I'm going to say this wrong. That's the type of name I don't like. Mm. You have the tough ones. <laughs> the tough so ones. Have you ever, and then I don't know you the tough ones. You ever go to a school anymore and they have all the kids from that classroom up on the wall and it's like mm-hmm. common names, but they're spelled differently, too. Yeah. Yeah, I always learned that if ever you have to explain it, you didn't do it right. And those are the those are the weird <laughs> ones. I always find those ones to be so incredibly strange. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's curious. I for for our listeners, it's part of the conversation tonight. Um, what are the worst names um, that you've ever met, or is there just somebody named Steve that since you met them, and what did they do that you've never been able to forgive any Steve? You're like, hey, this is my friend Steve, and you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. No, it's like that, too. When you're trying to name a baby, you're going through potential names and you think you have a good one and you throw it out there and your partner will say, oh, nope, Uh, I knew someone like that. They were terrible at school, could not name on that. And it's that that name's completely ruined. If if anything, it's when you're going through the process of naming a child that has to be that. And the other consideration is, do you know anyone else that has a kid with that name? So you can't double dip. You can't uh, steal Mm -hmm. a name. But what if you dated somebody named Susie and then your wife is like, hey, let's name the baby girl Susie. And you're like, ha, 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 funny story. <laughs> you can't <laughs> name your do kid a hard pass on that. Yeah, no, you can't. Of course not. Because then what happens? What if the ex finds out? And then the ex is going to think you named the baby after them. And then, oh, boy, that's a whole other uh, problem that you're trying to deal with there. Mm hmm. I did uh, meet a listener once. So I used to, I was given the name Zach for the radio shows when I was doing music radio years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, I literally walked into the radio station and my boss had put out a memo saying, by the way, your name is now Zach. And so <laughs> I did meet a listener once that, uh, that came in. And uh, so Zach Hewitt was the name that I was using on the radio and I met her kids and I have a photo with her two kids. And one of the children is named Zach and the other kid is named Hewitt. So, oh, I don't know wow. If Isn't that something? You know, uh, radio yeah. stations are cheap here in the United States. I, I don't think it's the same in Canada, but I've heard a lot of people mention that when they accepted a job and they went to that radio station, they were renamed based on the jingles they already had cut. 
So you had to find <laughs> some sort of combination of whatever jingles already existed. And that was your name because they were too cheap to record new ones. That's funny. I have never heard that before. Nope. It's not, has never <laughs> had that experience here. <laughs> that is cheap, man. That's how it works. Holy. And, All right. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a hell of a week, man, in your country. It's been confusing and it's been um, scary and it's been sad um and all these things from the outside ryan what's going on yeah i know it was fun talking names there and uh this has been the uh difficult thing is trying to figure out what's gonna how's this gonna play out what's gonna happen and really the repercussions of what happened at our capital when there was a protest that turned into a mob of people rushing into the Capitol building while official business was being done. And it was a really scary moment because you're watching some of these things unfold and people are just freely walking in to the Capitol building and they're just doing so celebrating and they're doing it in a way that make it look like there's nothing wrong with this. It was just so nonchalantly and they were walking around like they own the place. And you're thinking, I cannot believe that this is happening right now. Uh, we had security guards and police officers were injured and, and so far two have uh, died. We had other protesters that died too from some of the different injuries that happened. It was a real terrible moment in history. As like, as a, as an American man, like how do you, how do you sit with this? I mean, um, to me, it seems like when you go across political parties, th there doesn't seem to be many people that were okay with what, came of it mm -hmm. um except for some people that just don't understand i mean some of the interviews that we saw here um with the elizabeth uh lady on tiktok and she was like so in her share about getting maced as she got in the door she was so incredibly surprised that somebody could mace her because it was a revolution and that's what she was supposed to be doing like um it seemed to me to be um I don't know. It's incredibly confusing because there's a very small number of people who thought this was okay. And most everybody, no, no matter what party they were, uh, you know, from doesn't think that that kind of behavior is okay. I don't even know where this all lands. No. And it, I think it's a culmination of a lot of what we saw uh, long-term over the past couple of years. And it's tough because there's certain behavior that becomes excused that some people would look at and say, no, that's not good. And then other people would look at that and say, well, it's just part of the process. It's only a building. So, you know, you can't be angry that personal property was lost when named the tragedy happened over here. Why would you be mad at this, but not at this? And it, all it did was create further division. And it, it just kept going over and over again. I, I think maybe one of the bigger issues is that over the past year, that all of these different protests that happened in large cities changed the way policing occurred because they wanted to be more hands off and they thought it was escalating the situation if they engaged with the rioters, engaged with the protesters, and it almost became policy. And what happened in Minnesota over the summer where you had a, a police officer involved in killing someone as part of a stop, if you remember, of course, that became a pretty big deal. Um, all kinds of different large cities had protests break out, including Washington, D.C. And one of the things is they didn't like the way that the police were interacting with the protesters. So they said, OK, we're not doing this or that anymore. So all these agencies started to change policies. And next thing you know, you look at this and say, 
okay, these Capitol Police officers, even though they tried to stop, they were overwhelmed. And then the policy turns into we can't do anything. We're just going to have to retreat. And then we're stuck with watching what we're watching. And I think that some people get so uh, emboldened with the idea that, hey, I've seen it before. I could probably get away with it. This is just our turn. That's a terrible way to look at it. But I feel like some people just feel like what they were doing was not illegal. What they were doing, what they thought were doing were something excusable, as in some sort of um, the, the act of protest would allow them to do that. And they get into their minds and they're finding out very quickly once they get arrested, they're facing 10 years in prison for doing this and rightfully so. But there's all kinds of things that I think led up to this moment and to where we are today. The problem is it's not de-escalating. It's only escalating at this point. Well, one of the things that got me is from the outside, it looked like it was a movie. I mean, I, I it did made me make me question, say like, is this the impact of, of people who buy into movies as being truth, right? That just can't distinguish the difference because they seem to just walk in. Like to think that the police are not going to defend themselves in in certain ways even with the uh you know the poor lady who got shot and i do say poor lady because nobody needed to die but um you know they were breaking windows and breaking through doors and then they seemed so surprised that the security had a gun on the other side right like yeah it it, it seemed remarkable um from that perspective as well um, did you see the video today about the guy who got denied boarding i forget which airport it was it made its way around the internet tonight yeah, and I can yeah. understand that for sure. And I think anyone that is caught and you're going into a Capitol building, you better believe there's a million cameras pointed everywhere. And a lot of these people weren't really concealing their face. So it's it's going to be yeah. somewhat easy for them to identify because they have a lot of evidence. And because of that, I think that what they're going to do is they're going to pick out every single one that they could identify positively and charge them, which they should do. And some worse than others because some were doing things destructive. And others were just walking through. But still, I think everyone that set foot in that Capitol building uh, should be charged. And I think that's what you're going to see. And hopefully, hopefully that sends a, a strong enough message that they got to change the way that they handle these situations. And that it, it just has to it has to be an automatic that if you're caught doing anything that resembles something like this destructive, that it's just automatically, hey, you better expect that they're going to be coming at your door one night. They're going to knock it down and then uh, arrest you. Mm -hmm. So there, there's two things that come up for me is that I, I enjoyed your, uh, you know, capital city um, about a year and a half ago. And for anybody who's listening who's not been to D.C., uh, let the Canadian tell you what uh, what my experience of dc was it was one of the most remarkable beautiful powerful um nicest places to go and um i didn't understand the difference between the sort of the the district of columbia versus being a state and all those things and all the people i met i asked questions and they were just like oh by the way this is how it works and it was one of the best visits i've ever had to your country ever in my life when we, we stayed in Virginia, we went to Dulles, we went to the air museum, we went downtown, we rode scooters, we went to the zoo, uh, ours, uh, from I'm in Calgary. So the, uh, the Calgary elephants are in the DC zoo. So we went to see them spike in the elephants. And it was one of the most wonderful experiences I've ever had in my life. I do know this. It is a long trip from the national mall down by the white house and all that stuff, all the way down to the Capitol building. And I used to joke, it was kind of like a country song in that you could watch your dog run away for three days, right? Um, mm -hmm. And they saw the crowd coming for a long time. 
And um, is it not surprising the sort of lack of preparedness or politicking or whatever went on in regards to not have enough people around? Yeah, it's it really is. Um, I think about having all of our elected officials in one location and not having more there at the time. There was other officials that said, don't bring in the National Guard ahead of time. It'd be a bad look if we had that. And in retrospect, we wish we would have had the precautions or better fencing or whatever it was to fortify it. So even if someone got the idea that they could be stopped at the source. And the other thing is, I think when it comes to uh, Trump rallies, there was a President Trump speech, not at that location, but close to that location. And when you go back and look at all the different rallies he's had over the past four years, it's been all without incident. And I don't know if that set a precedent where they thought, well, there hasn't been a problem before. There shouldn't be one now because we're going to have a lot more security than we'd normally have for one of these. And th I don't know if it was just th that was part of it or not. Maybe it, they just didn't want the appearance that when it came to our election and counting the electoral votes, this this is the process that we go through here in America. I know it's different in Canada, but the process where we have the electoral college in each individual state is given an opportunity for people to protest if they feel there was something wrong with that state's count. And then all of the congressmen get together, uh, Senate in the House, they have their ability to question it. Either they have it sponsored or not, and then they go through with it and eventually certify the election for whoever won. And then in that case, at least to the inauguration a couple of weeks later. Well, when you have all of the members of the elected officials in one place, you would think that it would be warranted to back this up. And unfortunately, that was not the case. And then there's also questions of were they asking for backup? Were they denied? Were they not given it? Um, what What's all of that procedure like to begin with? So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a lot of investigations of what happened. There's that TV show on Netflix, and the name has been escaping me all day today. It's the story about the the one guy who he's a uh, house representative. He's like the spare, and he's the only guy who doesn't go oh, yeah, to the Capitol designated building. Survivor. Yeah, designated that was Survivor. But doesn't it doesn't it seem strikingly um, concerning that, you know, fundamentally, I mean, it was just a TV show and it was about a terrorist attack with bombs. But really, when you look at what could have happened and I realize I'm speculating, yeah. but it is possible that that got really bad. Yeah, that's true. I guess in that case, the president of the United States would be the designated survivor, because if everyone else is there, including the vice president who presides over the Senate in this case, would be there, too. So pretty much everyone, you know, there's cabinet members, I guess they would be high ranking cabinet officials that wouldn't be there. So it wouldn't be exactly that. But when they do the State of the Union, where the president's given the yearly address and they always have someone that's uh, out just in case. It's kind of a sad reality. I mean, I guess in general, they always have some contingency plans put into place. It does make you wonder, what was the contingency plan there if things got really bad? Mm -hmm. We just don't know. There, I'm sure there was a plan. Know. Yeah. Ah, it's just sad all the way around. It was, it was just difficult it to is. watch. It's heartbreaking, man. It's heartbreaking to see that kind of stuff happen because, you know, the one thing that I'm a big, big fan of is those political buildings. I mean, they're so important in every country with the history of what every country's gone through. And to see it, to see them wrapped with a fence and locked up like that, um, you know, to that extent is incredibly sad and heartbreaking. I mean, there's, there was generations ago, your grandparents, great grandparents, and so uh, same with mine and everybody who's listening did some amazing things and created some amazing new worlds. And to think that this is where we are in 2021 with um, buildings fenced off so people can't go to them, mm -hmm. that's heartbreaking to me. That seems like a huge step backwards.
Yeah, and it's uh, it's also unfortunate because I would think the last time we saw it like this, I'm sure other protests excluded, would be when there's a government lockdown. They're so stupid here in the United States that they'll actually block off public parks and places like that. So if you were yeah. to go to Washington, D.C. during a government lockdown or a shutdown, I should say, excuse me, where they haven't agreed on the budget. So they they shut down government. Uh, agencies and they shut down parks. You can you can go anywhere in D.C. that normally you'd have free access to, like you know the World War II Memorial or something, and they'll put gates up and blocking you from going to see those things. That's how stupid things get mm-hmm. here. So um, lack of access probably compared a little bit to that, except there wasn't much force of anyone. It's just terrible. Yeah. Well, I hope that everybody learns from it, not only, um, you know, your country, but our country too. Uh, every, all political division around the world. I hope people learn from it and get, okay, well, here, here's a potential outcome. Is it worth it for us to sit down and, and, and work on things and actually have a conversation? Because we've all stopped talking in the last, you know, yeah. 10 years here, and it's, it's getting brutal. Um, Ryan Record, thank you so much, brother. It's great to hear your voice. You know what? Um, the next couple of weeks are going to be stressful for um, <laughs> for you and your, your family and your friends and your listeners. And, and we're watching and hope everything works out. Yeah, honestly, it's more stressful if you are on social media looking at these things. I think, if anything, it might be a good time to take a break from it, just not to let it bother you. There it that is. might be for the best. Well, Shane, it's so good to hear That's you again. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, brother. That is our friend Shane Hewitt, who hosts... The Shift up in Canada, you can find them online. And it's so cool that we get to do this late night connection on Sunday nights. And I think for both of our radio shows, Sunday nights are a little bit different when it comes to the audience. So it's always good to have someone to talk to, kind of recap what happened in the past week. And I know we have our own curiosities between our two countries. So that's so cool to see it. So we'll post that up on the podcast. We have all of our other conversations up there, too. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com Much going on. And like I mentioned to Shane, it's really hard to even go online to any social media platform right now and find anything that is not bad (laughs) it's just all bad you look at it and you're like oh there's nothing of value for me to be on here right now and maybe it's a good thing maybe we can start to rewire our minds so we're not so dependent on checking these things over and over and over again Um, i saw this online and i thought that this might be an interesting thread to talk about and it's from ben shapiro uh he's a very popular columnist and podcaster And I think he's got a radio show, even though I've never heard it on the air. But I think that they just take his podcast and put it on. But he's mostly known for being the creator of The Daily Wire, which has been a really large right wing uh, website. And he's also an author, best selling author. And uh, also you see him on a lot of different interviews. He's incredibly popular. And he pointed this out and I thought it was worth pointing out. I'm just going to read his tweets here which says, imagine if in the midst of the massive BLM riots this summer that each tech infrastructure had deplatformed Facebook because someone had used that app to plan events devolving into violence. People would rightly have called that an insane act of uh, ideology fascism. 
said, yet today, the media will celebrate Amazon doing exactly that to Parler. The tech bros are making a horrible and dangerous moment significantly more horrible and dangerous. There are no consistent standards being applied. Uh, this is reactionary deplatforming in the name of one side. And that's a big part of what we're seeing on social media. It's reactionary deplatforming in the name of one side. And I keep thinking about leading into the next couple of weeks. And sometimes, um, and I hate to say this, and I, I don't mean this in any way of in, in saying that I hope this happens, but what happens when you say this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen over and over and over again, and then you're surprised when it happens as opposed to trying to find ways to make it so it doesn't happen. If you're someone like Nancy Pelosi and you say this bad thing's going to happen, this bad thing's going to happen, what you're going to do is push people to that bad thing. You're going to do the, the people are going to see that. And think, well, I hate Pelosi and I'm going to do the opposite of what she says. And that's the problem because you're not de-escalating or trying to make things any better. You're, in fact, making things a lot worse. And that's what I'm afraid could happen here. What I'm also afraid could happen is that when you go online, that anything you say that is contrary to what the employees of that company like is that they're going to do everything they can to try to push you off of that company. And the interesting thing is over the past couple of years, we've seen different pushes when it comes to uh, religious freedom and first amendment, all of which have been defended when it comes to individuals that have been brought uh, cases up against them. But the idea that the companies have been sued in the past for first amendment issues in this case, you can bring up the baker with the cakes or whatever it is and look at that as a first amendment issue as it was brought up to the Supreme court. It also makes me wonder, in uh, some of these tech companies, what could be done when you discriminate against certain people based on not necessarily their beliefs, but what if it's a religious or First Amendment issue in that case where you're purposely discriminating against them? You can say basically what they said, which was, no, you have to serve me. What's the difference between that then? Uh, one may be a religious but that's also protected by the Constitution, then why is the tech companies allowed to get away with it on a regular basis when there's not an actual violation that's being brought up here? Uh, and the other part, and I bring this on a more broad sense, the other part is that when you have a big company like uh, Google or Amazon that actually hosts and has the ability, or Apple for that case, has the ability to be the gatekeeper the gatekeeper to try to stop someone from being able to even use the platform to begin with or uh, the gatekeeper to the platform, that makes it even more dangerous because then again, going back to what he was saying, um, it is just a non, uh, no consistent standards being applied. Uh, ben Shapiro likes to point out that it says technological instruments necessary for speech are located in essentially three companies, all of which are moving towards like-minded censorship. Amazon controls about half of the public cloud infrastructure. Microsoft has about 16% and Google has about 4% of those avenues. When you go back and look at some of the lawsuits brought up in the 90s when it comes to access and you saw Microsoft being one of the main targets because they blocked access on their operating system to things like Netscape and some of these other internet browsers, and part of which was they colluded in order to purposely stop them from being able to get on them. And they looked at that as bad. And the government sued Microsoft and eventually won. And it makes you wonder, with a Democratic-controlled uh, Congress, would they even take something like this up? 
when it benefits them so greatly. And if that's the case, are they really working for you? And that's scary. It needs to be taken into consideration. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 